I'm one of the few people that think Mazepin might have a, a decent year next year. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We are here today to review the Qatar Grand Prix. Slightly different to the San Paolo Grand Prix we saw last week. Um, on the show today, Cal, you turned up, mate. Well done. Yeah, I've thought, thought show me face this week. Or show my voice on the podcast, don't we? Yeah, but I, I can see your face, so and I have seen your face. We watched the race together. Um, <laughs> this is why I was almost late again. <laughs> Sorry. Um... We have Abby back. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm very well indeed. And we have a new member to the panel today um, who will also be running our news show, which is back this week. I'm very, very excited to hear that. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you Bridge. How are you, sir? I'm all good. What an introduction. Thank you very much for that. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. You, you've, got, you've, got, you've got to live up to it now. That's the problem, right? Yeah, yeah, well, lots to live up on, but yeah. <laughs> cool. So, um, interesting Grand Prix, uh, a venue we hadn't been to before for Formula One. We've seen other series there. It's not a brand new track, however, first time we've been there for F1. Um, I'm just going to go straight out of the park here, guys. What did we think of it as an F1 track? Because you, you can have all of your thoughts before we get there. You can see your simulations but you only know when a race happens. I mean, Cal, I'm, just, I'm going to ask you first, mate. How did you think this this was as a track? So the best way for me to analyse a track, and I've said this quite a few times on the podcast, is if I think I'll enjoy it on the game, then I think it's a good track. And I think I would enjoy Qatar on the game. And I feel like it's got a nice flow to it. There's not many heavy braking zones. There's no really slow corners. Um... But in terms of overtaking and stuff like that, is it feasible for Formula One? I'm on the fence still on that front. I'd like to see, um, may- maybe with the new cars, it might be a good circuit, to be fair. Considering mm-hmm. that, it, I think it could be a better circuit. But with these current cars, I feel like um, there needs to be a bit of a heavier braking zone involved as well for it to be more suitable for the current era of F1. Almost to, to break the track up a bit. Um, Bridge, what, what what did you make of it? I think it's very much a driver's track. I think it's very much like uh, the track in Portugal. Um, drivers love it. Does it provide the best entertainment for us? Not really. Um, as showcased by the race today, but we'll get onto that a little bit later. But uh, but yeah, I think it's a great driver's track. More like a roller coaster than anything else. But mm, uh, very high speed. Now it looked when we were watching the race today. It 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 looked very much like Bahrain, didn't it? It was. You know, we have a few night races in F1, but this one, it just looked like Bahrain. The, the flow felt like Bahrain. 
Um, it's... Was it Bahrain Part 2, Cal? I wouldn't say Bahrain Part 2, but I think it was Ted who said on his notebook, the Quali notebook, said that Bahrain is actually only 70 miles as the crow flies, like northwest, I think, of that circuit. So no wonder we thought it was quite similar. It's going to be a similar sort of, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, Backdrop what word are you looking the for? Desert and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I thought as well, I think it... I think I said to you as well today, it looks as though, you know, when you look at the layout of the circuit, it looks as though it's, as though it's been modelled on Bahrain um, with the way the circuit looks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it could be Bahrain 2.0, I suppose. Yeah, I think but we have more entertainment in Bahrain. But Abby, what, what did you make of this track? Did you think it was a good place for F1 cars to race? I'm not sure. I think it was an okay race. But with the track, there were some issues with it, with some curbs, which we will come on to. Um, I liked the fact that it was a night race. We haven't had one of them this season. It was good. But I'm not sure. I'm on the fence. I feel like when we see more of it in 2023, I will know what I think about it a bit more. But yeah. Absolutely. Uh, And just for the listeners that don't know, uh, Abby has not fallen into a time machine. We are not racing there next year because of the World Cup. So it will be 2023 before we go back. What I do want to say is Baku was awful on the first race we had there. Now it's one of my favourite circuits on the calendar. Sometimes it just takes a, a race or two to sort of bed the F1 cars in, get some telemetry for the teams to sort of go off and then the race gets a little bit spicier. Um, and bear in mind as well, like Abby said, it's in 2023. So by the time that comes around, everyone's going to ha- have already had a season in these new cars and they'll have some telemetry from the previous race, which was today. So I, I'd reckon that Qatar would be a good race next time around. Just add into what um, Cal said there as well. Like, this is the, these, these guys had a, had a week to prepare for this race. You know, these drivers had a week to find the racing line, find the braking zones, find the overtaking zones. You know, they only really found two this weekend. And obviously with the big regulation changes coming up, with the cars getting smaller, I, I think I, I agree with that. I think the only I think it'll only get a better circuit, um, especially if it's, you know, something that quick. Mm. And, and what I found quite interesting, and, and one of you said earlier it was a it's a, it's a driver's track, where they're coming into corners, they're braking a lot later than usual because they're such high-speed corners, you know, you, you carry that speed through. And... Um, I do believe it was George Russell actually talking about this. And he said, we completely had to sort of readjust our driving style. So when you see that 100-meter board where you would naturally normally start to brake, you've got to go straight through that. And and it flows. And it looked like a nice track to, to, to drive around. I haven't played the game. Cal, is it, have you played it on the game yet? Uh, no. No, I don't have this season's game. Um, but what what I was saying on that before is that in previous seasons, I have based what I think a, a track is on the game. So, for example, everyone hates Sochi. I actually quite enjoy Sochi because it's good on the game. Mm. I hate watching the race, but it's good on the game. So I understand why the drivers enjoy it. Well, my favourite... Uh track to play on any F1 game was always the old Hockenheim because it's basically straight the whole time. So I always enjoyed the old Hockenheim. Easy track. And I think that's where Cal's going. Um, All right. 
uh, should we talk about a bit about pre-weekend? There's been a lot of drama going on. Abby, do you want to talk about some of the shenanigans that have been going on in the paddock? Yes. So, during qualifying yesterday in Q3, Pierre Gasly obtained a puncture and he had to pull over on the pit straight to the right. And three drivers were summoned to the stewards because they allegedly failed to slow down during the yellow flags. And they were Valtteri Bottas, Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen. Now, Carlos Sainz got off with no punishment, no penalty. However, Max Verstappen and Bottas both received grid place penalties. Bottas did qualify in P3, but he started the race in P6, I believe. Yeah, P6. And then Verstappen received a five-place grid penalty and started in P7 as a result. And you said science got away with it? Yes, he did. He started in P5. So this doesn't sound yeah. particularly fair to me, does it, Cal? Let's let's look at no, this a little deeper. You know what's happening here, don't you? Is the FIA trying to sprinkle a little bit of spice onto the season? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's push Verstappen back a little bit, yeah, see what he yeah. can do, and then we'll yeah. put we'll put Bottas there as well next to him on the grid to you know give him an obstacle. Which you know, <laughs> it wasn't a little spoiler here. He really wasn't an obstacle. He was an obstacle for uh, Mick Schumacher. <laughs> That's how far back he dropped. <laughs> he was awful today. Awful. Okay, so these these yellow flags. Let's let's break it down a bit. I believe Carlos Sainz and Bottas went through a, a, a single yellow um, without backing off enough. Um, Bottas, I think he admitted he didn't back off at all. Um, Carlos Sainz gave it an effort, but not enough. Max Verstappen, however, Bridge, help me out with this. He went through a double yellow and didn't back off at all. Now, we we know that's not allowed, right? Yeah. I mean, I watched the footage because I was quite quite keen to see what the the stewards saw. And from my understanding of it... uh, it's basically based on the time that each of those drivers came through. So Max Verstappen came through 16 seconds after Gasly pulled over to the right and sat on the right on the left side on the right side of the road. Um, but during that time, there's only one place, and that's after the final corner. There's only one place a yellow flag can appear, or in Max's case, the double yellows. So he still only had one chance. For, for him to see, and nothing came up on his dashboard. So he yeah. had just about as, about as much time as Valtteri did to, to understand what was happening. So for him to get a, a worse penalty is a little bit, little bit spicy. And, and uh, forgive me if I missed this part, but why, why was there a single yellow for those other two drivers and a double for, for Max? Was that just the timing of it, did you say? Uh, it, I think it was because, oh no, sorry, it was because um, Gasly hadn't come to a complete stop yet. So he was still rolling down uh, the home straight, uh, but then double yellows were waved when he came to a complete stop, uh, like 70 metres before the finish line. Okay. And conspiracy theorists uh, among you, uh, Gasly did have a puncture. His tyre was uh, not attached to the car. There is no conspiracy in that part. However, the double yellows part is where this story starts to get a bit interesting. So 
Um, as you just said, Bridge, um, Max didn't have a notification on his steering wheel. I believe they also get a visual cue, uh, sorry, an uh, audio cue, um, when a yellow comes out, so a noise in their ear, essentially. Um, and they all, he also said he couldn't see any double yellows around the track. Now, what do you make of that? It's a very, it's a very good cop out for a, for a driver to to say that he he can't see a double yellow flag because he he has the defence. No one else can see what he can see. Um, but then again, you know, we we've got onboard cameras now, so we can we can kind of see what their view of, of things are. Um, yeah. But in in my view, yeah, Max wasn't given any sort of notification um, before he he drove into that corner if there was yellow flags or not. Um, he was, yeah, he was told just as, just as Valtteri was and Science was coming out of that corner. So for the, for the FIA to give him a, a harsher penalty, like Cal says, adds a, adds a little bit of spice, I think. It, it does. I mean, they, they have to give a penalty for ignoring a double yellow flag. We've seen it with Lewis ignoring a red flag before. Um, there are rules to protect people's safety. If they didn't come down on this, they would be going against themselves. So uh, it, it's a bit... It's it's how you look at it, and a single yellow is not as severe. So you know that that's when there is no longer such a danger presenting itself. But Max Verstappen isn't looking out for a double yellow on the final corner of his final qualifying lap. Uh, of course he's not. Uh, Appy, <laughs> what do you think? I was just gonna say what I found interesting was Sebastian Vettel after qualifying. He said he was pretty happy because he managed to out qualify a Red Bull, a McLaren and a Ferrari. But he believes that he had yellow flags in the last sector and then the yellow flag cleared, and I quote, because Max was coming. I thought that was quite interesting that a former Red Bull driver had said he believes the yellow flags cleared because Max was coming down. So what you're saying is they cleared to Mm -hmm. miss... To that they weren't there, so Max didn't notice, and then bosh, they came back. Yes. Now, one thing I'll say about Vettel is, yes, he's had some interesting things he's done in his career. However, he does always speak out his opinion, um, and he doesn't really care if it gets him into trouble. Clearly, otherwise, he wouldn't have said this, would he? Um, do you buy into this, Cal? Um, as an F one fan, I hope not. <laughs> I I yeah. really hope the FIA aren't playing games like that because that is corrupt. Um, but then again, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I genuinely believe the amount of money Formula One are making from Netflix and that series on Drive to Survive, they are adding fuel to the fire wherever they possibly can to get Red Bull and Mercedes butting heads, especially Christian and Toto at the minute. They are out for each other. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Christine and Toto have even been briefed and said, look, you know, don't be nice to each other until the end of the season. We'll put a nice spread on at the end of the year for you two to go and make friends again. But until then, <laughs> you're worst enemies. Um, we want Netflix to come back. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Worst things have happened in sport. So obviously last week it was the rear wing saga for Mercedes. This week it's the... Again, qualifying. It's um, Max Verstappen getting a penalty. 
Um, Christian Horner said something a little bit naughty, didn't he? And he's got in you know, trouble for this. Um, which, again, pure spice. Um, it's only come out after the race, quite what's gone on. But I believe he said it yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, I actually have the quote, I believe. Um, Can you do it in a Horner voice or are you just going to read it? I won't, I won't do it in my Horner voice because <laughs> this is my first podcast and I don't want to get cancelled straight away. So I... I <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he said, I think the race director uh, should have control of the circuit. Uh, he's the referee at the end of the day, and otherwise anybody can make a decision. I think that it's a rogue marshal that has stuck a flag out, and he's not been instructed by the FIA. They have to control their marshals, and it's as simple as that, because that's a crucial blow for us in this world championship. So Horner said it's an untrained marshal sticking a flag out, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Can't mm. really go around saying that, can you? But, you know, I love him for saying it because, again, it's him just trying to claw back anything he can. And he, he said that on air to try and get Max Verstappen out of a penalty. And I love that he's doing that for his driver. So, you know, he's doing whatever he can to get at Red Bull any advantage. Every week he's saying something. And yeah. I respect him for that. Uh, I'm not sure everyone does. Abby? Helmut Marco also said something regarding Max's penalty, saying that the stewards were hiding their incompetence under the shoulders of the drivers. <laughs> He's another one who doesn't hold that's it That's just normal. <laughs> yeah, that's just normal for Helmut. <laughs> that's like, that's just a passing comment in the corridor for Helmut Marco. <laughs> Helmut has said a lot worse. Helmut has said a lot worse. Yes, so. he has, he has. Yeah, that's, that's like... He'd probably say that sort of thing sat at the table with the Queen. Like, that's nothing for Helmet, is it? Do you think there's been so much um, slinging of the SH1T recently between Mercedes, Red Bull, press, this, that and the other, that this almost just slipped out from Horner where he's, you know, he's sending videos to Sky to prove his point. He's saying they're cheating. And this was just, he was just being himself, but he said it about the wrong person. 100%. 100% he's got into this zone in his head where it's his back's against the wall and he's just clawing at anything that comes near him to make his team seem good and um, he will throw anyone under the bus to make that happen and that's the mindset he's in at the minute and like I said before at the end of the season he'll be the nicest guy you've ever met him and Toto will be hugging shaking hands probably even go on holiday together with the wives and you know, have a great time We'll see it on Netflix. Gunther Steiner will be sat in the corner at the bar. It's going to be a great time. But Bad, you smash my door. Yeah, <laughs> smash my door. At this moment in time, though, he is warrior mode. And uh, the only non-target is Red Bull. He's just fighting anything that comes near him, isn't he? And I think, yeah, it, it, he did slip up. But you were right. It is because he's, he's in attack mode, isn't he? I think, yeah, I agree. And I think you've got to remember that this is the closest Horner's come to a title in seven years. You know, he came into the sport with Red Bull and had instant success. You know, four world championships is not something that comes along and happens all the time. And now he's had this big gap where he's basically been Toto Wolf's little brother. Yes. He's basically, he's basically been the little man for, for seven years have not been able to say nothing. Both in size and other ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both in, both in stature 
and in and in personality, he has been put to the back, and in bank accounts. Um, I'm just gonna. Okay, I just need to just get something off my chest here, and I feel this is the forum to do it. <sighs> Sorry if I offend anyone here, but dear Christian Horner, please can you stop your grey chest hairs coming out of your shirt during interviews? Thank you. I it's second a bit this. Weird. Yes. Yeah. I mean, after the race today, Chaco was doing the same thing. The same vibe. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know if you noticed. But, With a towel round yeah, him. Yeah, the same. St- the same stubble and the same sort of... I mean, the chest hair wasn't grey because he's not old, but, yeah, I think Checo's sort of modelling his, his style now off Christian, which probably not a good good way forward for Checo in the future. I think I said it's to you, Cal, I was, I was eating at the time and I was, I was just looking at those grey <laughs> chest hairs and I was a bit like, I've got something in my mouth. Like, it's just horrible. It's not stylish. I don't know what he's thinking. Yeah, but Jerry loves it, so that's all it that matters. Jerry, Jerry isn't eating her dinner, watching it on TV. Well, she might be. Uh, she Bridge? might have been. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I don't think we can give the man pointers when he's married to a Spice Girl. I mean, I, I don't, I, honestly, I don't think we can give him well, give him much grief. Yeah, well, well. There's a man here called John Dutton, who you don't know about <laughs> yet. He reckons that Christian Horner has been shafted on this front because David Beckham and Victoria... <laughs> So you've got a sportsman and a Spice Girl and then another sportsman and a Spice Girl. I mean, who are you going to have on your wall? Beckham and Victoria or Christian and Jerry? Like, Listen, I just would have me. Beckham on my wall. I mean, he's the coolest guy going, right? He, and, and again, he was there this weekend. And how, how can one man look so fresh wherever he goes? Uh, Christian Horner, yeah, take a style irritating. guide. Take a style guide from him, mate. That's why he was in yeah. the McLaren garage. You wouldn't want to be stood next to him, would you, for a photo? Who, Beckham or Horner? I know the answer to that. Beckham, yeah. <laughs> I would stand next to Christian for a photo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. I feel better now I've got that off my chest. Get it? Um, cool. So, <laughs> that was a dad joke and a half, wasn't it? Right, moving on. Um, was there any more pre-race drama? I'm just trying to refresh my memory. There, there was a little bit of drama, actually, um, for Nisipin. Not that it would have made any difference in the outcome of his race, more than likely, I anyway, can't guarantee that, but he had like 25 laps of practice before he did quali, and when it came to his quali time, he was like two and a half seconds behind his teammate, who was then like a second behind everyone else anyway. So an already pretty poor driver in a pretty poor car missing all that time of practice on a new circuit like there was probably no point in turning up today was there you could have said that about the whole year but I think none of that was really his fault you know he gets given a car he got to the I can't remember if it was quality or practice but he literally off you go mate he got he just about got out the pit lane and broke down it's not his fault what do you reckon, Cambridge? He's been he's been handed a raw deal, hasn't he? Really, he's you've got to remember he was an accomplished F two driver. Yeah, he might have a billionaire dad. Yeah, but so does half the pit lane. So you can't you can't really judge that on him. And you know he has been handed a raw deal with Haas this year. Uh, you know the chassis proves that today. Um, and I just hope I'm one of the few Mazepin. No, I wouldn't call myself a fan, let's not go that far, but I'm one of the few people that think Mazepin might have a, a decent year next year. 
Well, you're wrong. <laughs> well, I, I, I was just going to ask. Has haven't scored one point. We have two races left. This is going to be pretty embarrassing, isn't it? Well, they've openly said, haven't they, that they're throwing all their eggs in the basket for next season. They said from the start of this season, we're not developing the car. We're concentrating on 2022. So no one expected them to get any points. And I certainly didn't anyway, especially with the two young rookies they've put in the car. Um, But if next season they're in the same boat, then there is issues. And I probably hazard a guess that they will be the first team out for the talk of like Porsche, Audi, sort of a big German car company coming in and taking over one of the teams. Haas would be the one to leave, I should imagine, anyway. I, yeah, I can't imagine Genie Haas putting any more money than he absolutely needs to. If, if he thinks, you know, he's an investor at the end of the day. If he doesn't think this is a, worth, a worthy investment and it's not going to return anything, what's the point of putting any more millions and millions uh, in there? So, yeah. Because his son wants to I play. I want to see what Gunther Steiner can do with a budget. You know, with actual money, with a car that's decent. I want to see what he can do. I feel like he's the guy who's been shafted the most in all of this. He's the most stressed man we've ever seen. Um, but talking of Gunter Steiner, I haven't seen him for ages. Where is he? I, I'd hazard a guess that he's crying in the corner somewhere. <laughs> smashing doors Just up. lurking in the back. Lurking in the background of the Netflix of the Netflix tent. Having a good yeah, car. yeah. It'd be, it'd be with Netflix constantly. He'll just be finding the crew wherever they are. And like, no, Gene. Not Gene. No, Gunther, we spoke to you last week, leave us alone. And he's like, no, no, it must be on Netflix for good money. <laughs> Just to recap on Haas, like when, when they joined 2016, they scored 29 points. 2017, 47. So they're progressing. 2018, 93 points. Get in, Haas. 2019, 28. The worst yet. 2020, three points. This year, zero. It's it's going to take some effort to start that journey backwards, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. But you've got to remember in that little uh, in that little dip in points, they also, you know, they were one of the few people that had a Ferrari engine in their car, and at the same time, Ferrari had an absolute shocking season. So you can't you can't really pin it all on Haas. They did have a terrible engine at the time, um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's not been the greatest Formula One legacy that we'll that we'll see. Let's not forget as well they were shafted by a very well known sponsor who runs an energy drinks company. A not very well known sponsor, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now he's very well known because of Netflix, but yeah. beforehand he wasn't, and. He shafted them big time, didn't he? If they were putting a, a lot of reliance on him and his company and he shafted them, well, you know, no one can blame them for being in the situation they are in. So, But I believe that you know, part of Mick Schumacher coming aboard and Nikita Mazepin coming aboard, there is supposed to be some money being pumped in um, for 2022. So I'd be very, very surprised if they, they didn't perform next year, especially if they still got a Ferrari engine. Yeah, no, good, good. We, I think we all agree we would like Haas to really score some points. But we're not here to talk about Haas. We're here to talk about the Qatar Grand Prix. Um, and we will do that in just a moment. 
Support for the Cut to the Race podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawmower 4.0. You heard it right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With this exclusive offer just for Formula Nerds listeners, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FORMULANERDS at manscaped.com. That's code FORMULANERDS at manscaped.com. So let's discuss the Qatar Grand Prix. Uh, the beginning was quite exciting. Who would like to talk us through sort of the, 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 the grid into turn one? Who's going to tell us what action happened? Or Verstappen, should I say. Cal? Well, Verstappen got a mint start. He, I think, going into turn what, three or four, he was fourth position behind Gasly and Alonso, who were having a good little scrap of their own. Hamilton started first, drove off into the distance and remained there for the foreseeable future. I think he's still lapping now in first. He's just <laughs> insanely good today. Um, Bottas started in 6th as we know but then by the end of the first lap he was in 11th stuck by little Mr Stroll who was strolling around and he couldn't get past him so yeah not not the start everyone expected I think for Bottas like he went backwards and he was struggling big time and it didn't really improve from there Um, Perez he started 11th on the mediums, got himself up to ninth and then just kept picking cars off throughout the, the next few laps as well. He had a cracking start to his race. Um, no one crashed, nothing really, No, nothing dramatic. Alonso got a cracking start, he eventually got past Gasly. Other than that, there wasn't a lot going on, to be honest with you. So as we said, not a lot happened um, for a little while. We got... Um... We got Norris into fourth at one point, which was good. Um, and Verstappen pitted very early, lap 18. Um, we didn't really see that one coming, did we, guys? I mean, uh, Cambridge, what did you what did you make of that out of the blue pit stop from Verstappen? It was a very it was a very odd strategy um, from Red Bull today. I, I'm not I'm not sure. It, I think they were just playing it safe. Um, I think because the the tire wear was pretty unknown. Uh, this being a new circuit, so I think they were just playing a little bit safe. They saw Gasly blow a blow a tire yesterday just from regular qualifying. So um, Pirelli again weren't sure about the length of the tires. It was more of just an estimate. So um, I think it was more of a, a playing safe strategy than anything else from Red Bull today. Cal, what did you make of that uh, early stop and the response as well? I I thought that. Red Bull were going to be cheeky and try and get an undercut going and hope that Hamilton wouldn't pit at the same time. Hamilton literally came in the lap after and threw the same tyres on that Max did to cover it off. I thought that Red Bull were like, right, let's pull the trigger early, see what Lewis does. His tyres are going to drop off, we'll close the gap at that point. If we get within a pit stop, the game's on. We've got good position. And I think that was their aim. He was just, as in Lewis, was just too fast, too strong today. Um, they had to try something completely unorthodox that Mercedes wouldn't have expected, and I think that was where they were going with that. Mm. And I mean, usually when when Red Bull go for the earlier stop, Mercedes, you know, they're they're on the beach having a pina colada and they don't respond. So you know, with a gap of eight seconds at that time, 
that's clearly what they they, they were hoping for. Um, uh, but Lewis, as you said, responded the next lap. Cambridge, it, it was a bit of an anti-climax, really, wasn't it? I think I think it kind of sums up the whole race. I think as soon as as soon as we got that 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 decision for Verstappen to finish to, to start the race, at, you know, back in seventh, I think that was kind of the 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 the, the swan song of the Qatar Grand Prix. It was because I think if we saw that front row and we saw Lewis and Verstappen, I think we could have seen a, a race long battle. But it was just because Lewis was able to get out ahead of the field whilst everyone was battling around behind him. So that's how he was able to pull out that gap um, and then was able to keep it up for the rest of the race. Um, Verstappen obviously got the fastest lap. So, you know, Red Bull did have some pace in their car. Um, so, yeah, I, that's that's my take on it. Yeah, I, d- I don't know whether the, it would have been a race-long battle, to be honest. I think I said very, very early on, in fact, before the race had even started, if Lewis gets a clean run into Turn 1, the race is over. Um, I think even if Max was there, he got a brilliant start as well, did Lewis, as did Max. But they, um, I think Lewis was just too strong. I genuinely believe that he would have just drove off into the distance. Max might have stayed within, say, three or four seconds rather than seven or eight. But I still think that Lewis would have just been controlling the pace and kept Max where he wanted him the whole race, like he did. Um, yeah, I, it's it's gutting, really, that Mercedes were so much more powerful than Red Bull today. I wanted a bit of a more, bit more of a scrap than what happened. It was a bit of a boring, boring affair on that front. Mm, I mean, e- e- even as a as, even as a, a Hamilton fan, I, I wanted him to have a slow pit stop or something, you know, spice it up a bit. I think the whole race, I was thinking, please let's have a red flag. Obviously, no one injured, but let's have something. Um, we we did get something. Um, I, well, if I think back to the best part of that Grand Prix, it's got to be Perez, and he had a fantastic scrap with a lot. Well, half the grid really, didn't he? Um, Perez starting back from a poor qualifying gave us the entertainment we needed. Max Verstappen got the job done, nice, quick, no drama. Perez was the man who was there for entertainment. Um, were there any other battles you guys can think of that were fun, exciting? I mean, not many spring to mind, do they? Honestly, no. Um I mean, Bottas had a good scrap with uh, his tyre when that blew out. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, there wasn't really many cars battling each other, no. Um, yeah, when Bottas's tyre went, and Ollie, me and you were cheering because we thought... <laughs> no, we were. Yes. <laughs> no, no, not not for the sense of Bottas being out, more for the sense of we're going to get a safety car. He's going to bin it and we're going to get a safety car. It's going to spice things up. And it, he, he got it back and we were we were gutted. Um, but that was probably the most exciting part of the race for me. <laughs> it, it wasn't great, let's be honest. I mean, the sparks coming out of that car, it was like a firework display. I wasn't sure if, if it had blown up. I mean, Abby, w- w- when you watched that and you were thinking, right, OK, yeah, clearly his tyre's gone. But, oh, my God, is it on fire? What the... It, it was, the night makes it so much more dramatic. It does. All the sparks were so much brighter. It was like the fireworks show at the end. 
But yeah, the rest of the race was anticlimactic. So to have something like that, and then there were there was another puncture later on in the race with Nicholas Latifi. I was so happy that there was some action on the track after that. It was it was Russell Latifi, and I'm sure there was one more, wasn't there? Um, uh, Mr. Georgie Russell. Yeah, Russ, that, that's, that's Russell. So Russell Latifi. By the way, sorry, just just let's stick with Russell a minute. He when he came back into the pit lane, he crossed. He came in from off the track, but he crossed the solid white line. Did was there anything done about that, or was that just? He came in safely, it was fine. He, but he definitely crossed some solid white lines that he shouldn't have crossed on the way in. Mm. That happened um, That happened twice today. Because I, um, I think it was Perez. I think Perez came out uh, across the white line, I think, as well. Um, nah, Perez wouldn't do anything like that, I don't <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, the FIA like to get a little bit loose with the rules uh, where it comes to when it comes to pit lanes but uh but yeah no there was there was no investigation into that uh, Abby any thoughts before I have a rant about track limits mm, well Fernando Alonso was asked to stay away from the high speed curbs a lot of the time and today I'm not really sure why the track limits weren't the white line because Mercedes didn't need to go off the track to get extra speed unlike Red Bull mm. so I'm not sure you, you've had my moan for me. Track limits and are now the curb, not the line. Um, and they're only, again, this whole thing that drives me nuts. It's, it's this corner, that corner. Oh, oh, yep, they can actually do that, but they can't do that. The track limit should be the corner. Sorry, hold on. The corner? The track limit should be the white line. If four wheels are over the white line, you're off track. Not off the curb, not the... Grass, not the AstroTurf. Line. Why is it so complicated? It drives me mad. I couldn't agree with you more, mate, to be honest. Um, but again, shout out Big John Dutton. He made um, a very good point while we were watching the race today, Ollie. The curbs on the, I think it was the pit straight, they come out, obviously, as you turn right into the first corner. Is it left? I can't remember. Anyway, there's a curb there on the corner and just before the curb it's pure astroturf so are we saying that the width of the curb carries on all the way up the the straight even though there's no curb and that is your track limit or is it the white line before the curb when you start including curbs into track limits it becomes very very hard to sort of say right that is the track limit it needs to be a white line all the way around the circuit if all four wheels cross that white line you're out on track limits if not your sound that's how it needs to be at every single circuit otherwise it just gets complicated and it, it's it's silly I, I think I think what really annoys me for the for, for the sport is I find it complex to find out right which corner do they actually care about what is this track limit and if I find it complicated if we find it complicated as people who live breathe F1 every day, how can Doris, who watches it once a season, have a clue what's going on? Exactly. I know, she'll be kicking right off, wouldn't she? Yeah, yeah Lewis Hamilton's just got a five-second penalty. What, what for? She'll be throwing dentures at the telly and all sorts, mate. Right? <laughs> to prevent further denture damage, can we please make sure the track limits are clear? 
Yeah. Something tells me that this is just going to go on and on, but it doesn't need to. We had a virtual safety car. That was really unexciting. Yeah. But that added a little bit of spice to it, though, because if it wasn't for that virtual safety car, a certain Mr. Fernando Alonso uh, wouldn't have been on the podium, would he? Because Perez was steaming up behind him. He was catching him. He he came over the radio and says, make sure Ocon gets his elbows out for me. He needs to fight like a lion. He right. did for about three corners. And then Perez got past him, started steaming up to Alonso, and then v- VSC came out and um, killed that battle, unfortunately. And that was all because Latifi, I believe, was off the track, needed to be recovered. They could have recovered him, but the marshals needed to come onto the track to actually strap it up and therefore VSC had to come into play, which is a shame because it killed the, it killed a great battle. It killed the Grand Prix, didn't it, Bridge? I think it did. Yeah. I was I was looking forward. There was a there was a midfield battle going on. Uh, Sergio was catching Fernando. I was I was I was ready. I'd slept most of it. And I you woke tell us up. Now. I woke up. I woke up right for the best bit. I woke up right for. Oh my word! We're going to see some actual battles on a new F1 track. And then Latifi decided to park it on the gravel. And uh, and yeah, and that and that kind of killed the killed the Grand Prix. I've seen red flags de- deployed very recently over the past few years for far lesser uh, danger and. You know, a safety car, they, they, they haven't been doing virtual safety cars for a while, and I thought that was to bring the grid back together, spice it up, start again. In my opinion, they should have red-flagged it, done a grid start for the last two laps and have it. Um, if, if they are trying to make this such an exciting sport, at least bring the safety car out for one lap, you know. Why kill it? It just it killed the end. I, I just don't, sometimes I don't understand how they think. Um, do you, Bridge? Because it, it, it's another thing that annoys me. I think the virtual safety car is mainly there for for Lewis Hamilton. To be honest with you, if he, you know, he's he's dr- he's driven off, he's driven off miles into the distance. He he's he's earned his right to be eight eight to thirty seconds into the lead over the past seven seasons, and he will be damned if he has to have that destroyed by Nicholas Latifi parking it in the gravel. So I think that is for the leader of a race to make sure he retains, you know, what he has earned. And I think that's the only real reason the virtual safety car is there. Um, I don't think, I don't think it adds anything for us viewers. Um, and just, yeah, and it, it helps the drivers at least, but fair point. Yeah. I actually, I hadn't looked at it that way. That's an interesting way of looking at it. It doesn't, destroy everything that's been built. Cal, uh, would you agree with that? I, I agree with it, yeah. I agree with the principle of it, but then they're just going against the, the old Netflix theory, aren't they? They're just killing the spy straight away. They need to have a rethink on, on the VSC, especially at the timing of the in the races. Like It came in, what, three or four laps before the end of the race, and then it ended as Lewis Hamilton started his last lap. So he couldn't then put in the fastest lap because he'd already crossed the start, finish at 40% speed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, it did. It, it killed the last five laps. Not that it was good anyway, <laughs> but it, it really killed it. Like, 
I'm pretty sure we were just talking about something else at that point, Ollie, and it was the finish of the Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah, it was. We'd given up. But the whole point of a VSC is where it's a quick fix. Quickly grab that car, get that piece of debris off. You don't need Bert, Bert Mylander to come round for a whole lap, bring the grid up. But you look at races like Azerbaijan, Baku this year, okay, slightly different. They had tyre failures and it was chaos. But we had a insanely good last two laps. Yeah, we did. We did. I I think they need to bring a rule in where if the VSC has lasted more than two laps, the safety car needs to come out because it's obviously a more serious uh, incident or thing they need to recover than they initially thought, then change it to a full safety car. If it is like a little bit of debris, VSC it, get a marshal to run on quick as he can, make sure he don't fall over, get the debris, <laughs> back over the wall he goes everyone's happy, crack on racing. But, it, you know, if they're trying to recover a car, you pull the safety car out, don't you? Everyone wants to see Burnt Islander ripping it around in the Aston Martin and Lewis Hamilton coming over the radio going, oh, safety car's too slow, man. <laughs> we all want to see that. Great impression of Lewis there, Callum. I, th- I thought it was. I've been working on that behind <laughs> the scenes. And if you haven't listened to our episode with safety car driver Burnt Mylander, make sure you do. It was a wicked show. Um, it's a very good show. Probably my favourite guest, actually. Yeah, he was a good laugh. He, 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 he was what a, good a laugh. what a guy. Um, mm. That's such an anti-climax of a way to finish the race. Cambridge, was there anything you wanted to add before we talk about the end? Um, I was I was just going to say, yeah, I, I think with the virtual safety car, you could make it even simpler. You could make it if a car needs to be recovered get the safety car out you don't need to you don't there's no there's no if buts and maybes if a car needs to be removed from the circuit get the safety car out if lewis hamilton has crashed into the rear of the safety car because it's going too slow and he's lost his rear wing then then you know you can get the virtual safety car out and you can you know pick up the pick up the debris and then we're off racing again can you yeah. do, that scenario is quite quite a, quite a picture you've just painted there. Lewis Hamilton has just crashed into the back of the safety car, and they put out a VSC. <laughs> yeah, let me let me retract. Let me let me mend that a little bit. <laughs> to be honest with you, I think if Lewis Hamilton touched Burnt Mylander's Mercedes, he'd flick the hazards on, stop the car, get out, and have a good. Have a good word with Lewis Hamilton, to be honest with you. I could see that happening. It'd be like rush hour traffic and someone's just bumped into the back of him. He'd be straight out of the car. There's been a few close calls, hasn't <laughs> there? There was, I, yeah. I recall one where Lewis actually locked up and had to go off the track rather than hit burn at one point, but that's a whole other story. Um, if you hadn't guessed the, the, who won this race, Abby, Abby's about to tell you. Lewis Hamilton, his 102nd win. Did he? Yeah, which I'm really must, happy about. Must have missed that bit. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really see much of him today. Um, <laughs> and on the podium with him, Abby? Max Verstappen in P2 and Fernando Alonso was back on the podium in P3 after 2,674 days. Oh, what a start that is. Look at her throwing that in the mix. Oh, go on, Abby. 2,000 days. Since he was on the podium. Yeah. To be mm. honest with you, Ollie, I'm going to call you out here, mate. No, don't you dare. I you know exactly said, what you're going to say. Don't do you it. You said, <laughs> and you reminded me of this today, so this is your fault. You said publicly on this podcast that Alonso would never see the podium ever again. 
and he has done. All right, it was gifted by a VSC. Perez probably, probably not definitely, probably would have got past him for that podium. But he's on there. I'm yeah. not going to say it was um, gifted, you know. I, I will eat, I will eat my eat words. words mate. I will, I will. Yeah. Because Start chewing. But what I have said is, <laughs> for the past few races, is that Fernando's been performing wicked. He's, this year, he's, he's the toughest man on that track. He doesn't take... You know, he's going to fight it till the end. He's in an Alpine, so that's probably why I said I didn't think he was going to be on the podium. Um... I also, when I said this, here I am backtracking, I wanted to see some fresh talent. I didn't want to see a, a, a driver who had left F1 coming back and taking a seat of, of, of the youngsters in the world. However, Fernando is a box office. Yeah, and initially, mate, I agreed with you fully, 100%. We don't want to see guys coming back out of retirement just for the sake of filling a seat. We want to see the next guys coming through like Max Verstappen, like Charles Leclerc, exciting us, winning races, putting it to the older guys and saying, right now, the new dog's here, you step aside. And, you know, Fernando's proved us wrong today. And he, to be fair to him as well, like in Hungary against Lewis Hamilton, what a, what a battle that was. Mm. You know, he's not he's not come back and been rubbish. He, he's, done, he's done his bit. And, and not exactly the fastest car either. No, absolutely. And I think that that does show you skill. Yes, he's a little bit older. But what you pointed out to me, Cal, I, I, here I was thinking Fernando Alonso's in his 60s. He's only a couple of years older than Lewis Hamilton, isn't he? So we all think, oh, he retired and came back. Yeah, he's not that much older than Lewis. And, um, you know, had Fernando at the end of his first career in Formula One been in a Mercedes, he'd probably still be racing now. And that's what I'll say on that. If Lewis was still, say, at McLaren... And he'd not been winning for a bit. Lewis probably would have retired by now as well. Yeah, if if what, how, maybe, somehow. Yeah, it's all ifs and buts. But, you know, he's back, he's on the podium. I'm personally glad to see him on the podium. He's a fantastic racer. He's a, he's just a racer at heart, isn't he? He's, he's, it doesn't matter what he does. If he's in, in something with four wheels and a steering wheel, he's happy. Mm. You've got nothing to lose. And I, I, I like that. And I think... Um, the only thing that really cheesed me off from Fernando Alonso over the... Well, actually, there's loads of things that cheesed me off about him. But the the the, the last one was calling his team, a, a, you know, the GP2 engine in his McLaren. You know, you don't say that over team radio. The other thing he did, if you want to know, was blocking Lewis Hamilton in the pit lane when... Uh, anyway, rant over. Well done, Alonso. You did it fair and square. Um, that's why you're here. Bridge? I think. I think, you know... The, the old guys in the, in the sport, they are still adding a bit of spice. I, I think I need to remind people that the top three most overtaking drivers this season have been Sebastian Vettel, Fernando Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen. Those have been the guys that have been providing the most spice by definition. So mm. I think a little bit of respect has to be, has to be shown their way this year. It, it does, but if there's there's a couple of ways of looking at that stat, and this, I was trying to say this earlier. Um, Lewis Hamilton probably, uh, Max Verstappen probably has the lowest amount of overtakes, but because Vettel spins yeah. so much, he has to get back. On me. No. Okay. Right. <laughs> oh wow, well, that was a fair comment. That was a fair comment. I, I, I'm fully with you on that comment, mate. Yeah, I bet he has lost positions just as much as he's gained positions. I bet if you looked at that stat, 
it becomes a lot more interesting. I bet you in net positions gained, those three aren't the top three. It does. Uh, the only one I, like, I can understand why Vettel's overtaken a lot. But you're right, Bridget. It's what we want to see in F1 is overtaking. They're, they're in the 115s, aren't they? Uh, it was up there somewhere. Um, yeah, by definition of spice, that that's what it is. Um, that's getting on for like five, nearly six overtakes a race. Yeah, which means you would have had to lose those know, six Lewis places, Hamilton right? Did, what, Fifteen last week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, is where you were going. Um who would like to run down the final uh standings of the race? We will then do the championship standings and finish with our race reviews and ratings. Abby, I'm going to ask you. Okay. So the final standings of the race were Lewis Hamilton, P1, Max Verstappen, P2, Fernando Alonso, P3 on the podium. You then had Sergio Perez in P4, Esteban Ocon, P5, Lance Stroll, P6, both Ferraris, P7 and 8 with Sainz ahead of Leclerc. Lando Norris in P10, Sebastian Vettel, no, Lando Norris in P9, sorry, Sebastian Vettel in P10. Pierre Gasly was then in P11, ahead of Daniel Ricciardo in P12. Yuki Tsunoda finished P13, Kimi Raikkonen P14, Antonio Giovinazzi P15, Mick Schumacher in P16, George Russell in P17, and Nikita Mazepin in P18, with Valtteri Bottas and Nicholas Latifi both DNFing. Lovely sign, Callum. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the one that you had from previous, or have you written it again? I've written it multiple times for multiple podcasts now. Um, I like to just draw it at the start, because I know it's going to come in useful at some point during the (laughs) the recording. Now, I I will bleep this, but what what does the sign that you're holding up say? Uh, Bottas is... I might not believe it. Um, we respect all drivers on this podcast, but it wasn't a great day for him today. Um, who can do the championship standing? So let's talk about the drivers. It's all about Lewis versus Max, isn't it? What? How does that stand now? Um, and how is the uh, <clears throat> and how is the battle between Mercedes versus Red Bull? So, well, it's heating up, isn't it? It's still heating up again. Uh, Max Verstappen still leads the way with 351.5 points, thanks to Uh, Lewis Hamilton sits second with (laughs) 343.5. Then uh, Valtteri Bottas with 203 sits in third. Are we going to do the whole grid like this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Keep going all the way till P twenty one. Sergio Perez in P four with one hundred and ninety. Uh, Lando Norris in P five with one hundred and fifty three. Charles Leclerc in P six with one hundred and fifty two. Wow, nothing for my guy Charles. Wow. <laughs> I'm not even sorry. Wow. Um, 
P7, his teammate, Charles, uh, Carlos Sainz, he sits in 145.5 points. Daniel Ricciardo in P8. I'm not going to do the points for the rest of them because it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, P9, Pierre Gasly. Uh, Fernando Alonso in P10. Esteban Ocon, P11. Sebastian Vettel, P12. Lance Stroll, P13. Yuki Tsunoda, P14. George Russell, P15. Kimi Raikkonen, P16. Nicholas Latifi, P17. Antonio Giovinazzi, P18. And it's even worth mentioning the Hasses. Is it? Is it? We, yeah, well, there are three Hasses on zero, if I remember correctly. There are, oh, no, yeah. Uh, one's an alpha, mate. One's an alpha. One is an alpha, mate. But uh, Nikita Mazbin has successfully reached uh, P20 now. He is now above Robert Kubica uh, in the World Drivers' Championship. How does so that work? If he, uh, how does that work Michael. if he didn't score a point, just out of interest? It must be in... in It'll be on, like, what's called count back. Taking part. So at some point, point Mazepin would have finished higher than what Kubica did, and they'll just let that point go off the highest grip position. Not that it matters. No, not in the slightest. Mm. Okay. And the constructors is equally as juicy at the front. Cal, are you going to give me the constructors? You know, I will, yeah. Then, you know, it's a certain German team leading the way. uh, 546.5 points. Because we have the silly half points that happened in Belgium, don't we? That's confused matters a little bit. Ridiculous. That shouldn't have even been a race, anyway. Yeah. Um, Red Bull in second on 541.5 points. So there is only, at this point, with two races to go, there is only five points, just five, between the two top constructors, which is incredible. That is the closest constructors battle I have personally seen to my memory. That is insane. Um, at that point, you're not bothered who wins. You've just, you know, you've seen a great season. This is the point where we don't want a DNF. We don't want failures. May the best team and driver win. Yeah, 100% agree, mate. Except for Bottas. I don't mind a DNF for Bottas. That's funny. Um, Ferrari in third with 297.5 points. So at the minute they are, here's some quick maths, like 38.5 points in front of McLaren on 258. I'm pretty sure someone listening will message me and tell me my maths was wrong there. Uh, Alpine. Yeah, I knew they were wrong. Cheers, Abby. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Alpine of fifth on 137. Alfa Tauri, then Aston Martin, then Williams in eighth on 23 points. What a massive improvement that is from last season. Alfa Romeo, where Mr. Bottas is going next season, are sat on 11 points in ninth. And then Gunther Steiner's Haas in last with zero points. Cool. So... It's all to play for, and uh, we, we, we worked this out. I think we mentioned it on the last show, but if the result is, is the same again, so if Lewis gets P1 and Max is P2 in the next race, we will go into the final round level. And now we're not talking about fastest laps. Just forget that before you correct me. Yeah, no, but Lewis will need a fastest lap now to go into Abu Dhabi level. Oh, so he will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the race in Abu Dhabi, there'd need to be what an eight-point gap. 
to make it significant enough to change whoever wins the race. Mm. So unless um, they're, they're they're fighting for tenth, their ninth and tenth, then really it's not. Yeah. Yeah, so basically what needs to happen is it's the same result next week regardless of fastest lap. They go in pretty much neck and neck into Abu Dhabi and then it is an all-out slugfest until that checkered flag uh, in Abu Dhabi. Personally, I'm a bit worried as a Verstappen fan at the moment with the momentum Lewis has suddenly gained over the last two races. I think he'll win in Saudi. I know Max has won the last couple of times at Abu Dhabi but they have changed the circuit to make it more overtake friendly. So I am a bit concerned as a Max fan, but don't tell anyone. Well, as a, as a Lewis fan, I'm going to tell you I'm equally as concerned. So um, yeah. this is why this championship is special, because a few races ago I said, yeah, it's a game over for Lewis. I mean, Cambridge, do you, no one can call it, can you? I think I would be worried either way. Um, yep. Because, you know, again, like uh, like Callum had said, uh, Hamilton's gained a lot of momentum and it seems like he's got a championship car under him now. But if Verstappen can get close enough, he's got nothing to lose. He has got nothing to lose. So, you know, we could see a very controversial Prost-Senna collision that, you know, sends someone into the wall and someone out of a world championship. So it, it could could get a, a, a very, very spicy towards the end of yeah. the year. That, that would be a shame. But I, I'm, what concerns me the most with Lewis's momentum is the fact that Max hasn't lost any momentum. It's not like Max has dropped off. He's still there. He's still performing. Lewis has just come back from nowhere and literally found some amazing pace, which is why I think Christine Horner thinks Mercedes are doing something dodgy. Um, which, you know, who can blame him? It's a, a very, very rapid turn of pace um, that they've suddenly gained. So, yeah, it, it it's going to be close. And I think, Ollie, what we need to do, mate, is get a bottle of Prosecco on hand. We'll watch the final race together. And uh, hopefully no one crashes the other out, because otherwise there'll be fisticuffs. Uh, I don't drink, drink Prosecco, mate, but I have got a bottle of champagne left over from my wedding. So, um if oh, Lewis wins it, I'll, I'll just smell that and be sick. But, oh, if Lewis wins it, then we'll open it. If Max does, then I'll smash it over your head. I, I've never been... I can't remember the last time I was excited for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And what we've just clearly identified is we are. So that is something to look forward to, guys. Um, let's end the show, as we always do, with our race rating. So out of 10, what did we think of this race today? Um, I gave it a 10 out of 10 last week, which is probably one of the first times. Um, spoiler alert, I'm not going to this week. But I'm going to start with Abby. So it's your race rating out of 10, please, and your driver of the day. My race rating is 7 out of 10, only because, wow. I mean... I'm glad Lewis won. <laughs> wow! Wait, which, sorry, were you, were you watching the same race? Seven. Well, I'm glad Lewis won and I was really happy to see Alonso on the podium. And whilst I'm not a Max fan, I did think he did do well overtaking and getting to P2. But other Abby, than that, race it rating, was anticlimactic. Race rating, not result rating. Five. <laughs> yeah, that's more like it. 
I mean, that, that's still too high, but go on. Um, I, I want to hear what Bridge has to say on this. Oh, sorry. And who was your driver of the day? Alonso. He has to be my driver. I know he was the driver of the day, but he's my driver of the day too because he did a stellar performance. Okay. Bravo, Alonso. Uh, Bridge. Uh, I would give it, honestly, a three, maybe. Um, it it was it was good at the beginning and it was good at the end, but in the middle, I had a very very good nap, um, and that was pretty much it. That pretty much sums up my my Sunday afternoon. Uh, as for my driver of the day, I'm going to give it to Perez. Um, he did his part today. He he recovered from a shocking qualifying yesterday, and uh, did what he had to do uh, for Red Bull. So he is my he is my driver of the day. Okay. Okay. Good. Um. I can't see you sleeping through the next two races, by the way, but we'll see. Um, Kel, rating driver of the day. Uh, race rating is a 0.5 out of 10. I thought it was awful from what? start to finish. Yeah, it was genuinely bad. Like, the only thing it's getting a 0.5 for uh, uh, the few overtakes that Perez and Alonso, a couple of others, did. Sorry, Cal, you know um, that's your lowest rating. Driver in, of the day, so now... That's your lowest rating in the entire Formula Nerds podcast history. Yeah, yeah, and mate, if I'd, I'd have been napping as well if my McDonald's didn't turn up about 10 laps in. <laughs> Just Are you rating... Uh, I mean, we've had... Since we've done this show, we've had some rubbish races, and you're, mm. you thought it was that bad? Yeah, I genuinely thought it was shocking. Awful. And just a quick question before I do driver of the day. We base it on entertainment purposes, don't we? Not driving, like, it's usually who's entertaining you the most, isn't it? Let's just clear this up. It's like if you watched a movie and it's a rating for a movie, it's like IMDb. Yeah, so driver of the day for me then, based on entertainment value alone, I'm going to give to Valtteri Bottas. Because... (laughs) He was not driver of the day, Cal. No, but he was entertaining me with what happened. Like, he dropped back at the start. That really entertained me. He was stuck behind Stroll. Again, entertained me. And then he, you know, had a fight with his tyre. And that really entertained me. And the thing that really, really entertained me was when he retired. Okay. So, for me, Valtteri Bottas was entertainer of the day. Driver of the day is Alonso. Okay. Maybe we have to have a new entertainment of the day. That's actually not a bad shout. Um... Abby, I could see you were dying to say something then. What was your um, spa rating, Callum? If this was your lowest rating, what was your rating for spa? Well, I, I don't think I did a I think it was NA, non-applicable. No, like we it, we boycotted this show that week because um, we didn't think F1 deserved the publicity for that. So we didn't even do a show. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 was, it was so bad we didn't even do a podcast. So... From races we've actually watched, and you know, it's been a race. Qatar was for me was the worst this season. Mm. Probably in the last three or four seasons, actually, it was that bad. You must have forgotten about Paul Ricard, you know, a couple of those. But um, and just to say, Spa was not a race. That's why there was no race review podcast. Um, Bridge, you were also dying to say something then. Yeah, don't worry. I was I was asking the exact same as Abby. I, I, I was just wondering what you gave Spa. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, wasn't a race. Doesn't get a rating. Okay, well that leaves me. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll give it a. 
haven't been stuck here. I've, I've heard Abby go seven, which just blew my mind. I've heard Cal go the complete opposite, which also blew my mind. I'm going to give it a four. You idiot. I don't care. I don't care. I enjoyed watching it. It was it was F one. Um, it's near the end of the season. We didn't have any silly things happen. Um, the drivers drove well. Uh, there was a good few battles in there. Um, yeah, it was a four. It wasn't horrific. It 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 passed the time. <laughs> um, I think and, you enjoyed it because of the company you kept during the race. Yeah, I, I, I was so close to saying it, but I didn't want to. Um, I think. Yeah, this is the sport we love, and we're not selling it very well here. But yeah, that was it. And my driver of the day, I've got to agree with Bridge. There's no one else for me. It was Perez. Wicked, wicked show. Absolutely on the attack, start to finish. Some incredible moves. Driver of the day. So we will be back next week to talk about something. Uh, we're going to have a non... Well, there's no race next week, so we're going to be here talking about something or other. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive. We might have someone on the show. Who knows? Only we do. Um, and then following that, it is the one, the only. It is the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix. Uh, lots of controversy around this. Um, I personally think the track looked wicked. I think it's going to be a good race. Time will tell. But that's it for today. I would like to thank Abby, and I know you're not very well, which is why you haven't spoken much, but I'd like to say thank you for sitting there listening to all of this and getting through it. Thank you for having me. It's been entertaining listening to you all. Good stuff. It's been very entertaining watching you cough through most of it, and I hope you feel better <laughs> soon. Thank you. Um, Bridge, thank you very much. And your first show is coming up this week. What can What can the people expect to hear from you it is it is gonna go out on wednesday uh so yeah keep your keep keep your devices close to you um we're gonna cover everything we're gonna try try our best to cover as much of the news in the world of motorsport we're not just gonna limit to formula one um so we're talking w series indycar formula one formula two whatever whatever your heart content can content we can probably cover it. So we're going to look at all different news from uh, from the world of motorsport. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm not sure if Abby's going to be there. I'm not sure if she's going to be recovered from COVID that, that quickly. But, uh, but yeah, hopefully she is. As long as she mutes the mic when she coughs, then you can't get it. That's what I heard. Um, and we also have a couple of new panel members joining you. So they will be there with you on Wednesday. So don't miss that. And um, Cal, cheers, mate. Bye. <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. Pleasure as always. <laughs> Listeners, listen up. We've got FormulaNerds.com for all your latest news needs, all your articles, deep dives, features, basically anything that happens in the world of motorsport. We cover it and we put it on our nice little website, FormulaNerds.com. So go and have a look. Also, the other podcast, you've got to have a listen to that on Wednesday. Set the notifications up on your phone, bish, bash, bosh. And then we do merch as well. If you like the little nerdy on our logo and you fancy a little hoodie with his face on it, then, you know, go and buy one. Thanks. When he said his face, he doesn't mean my face. He means uh, the formula no, no, nerd. No, no, not Ollie's face. It wouldn't... <laughs> yeah, nerdy, he's called. Don't go and buy a hoodie with Ollie's face on it. No, they're not for That'd sale. That'd be awful. Get one with nerdy on it. I, I, um, I've, I've yeah, just... No, thanks I've for just... having me. I've enjoyed myself. Good. Fantastic. 
Yeah, yeah, go on. I've just looked um, at how many people were on our website just now when you said check out Formula Notes. There's, there's over a thousand people looking at uh, There's over a thousand people reading our website. That must mean it's worth your time, right? Maybe they heard me already and rushed <laughs> over there. But I haven't edited or published this yet. Ooh. We're not live, are we? Ooh. Uh, God. <laughs> I think it's time to go. Thank you very yeah, much. Definitely. Uh, we will see you next week. Peace out.